Hello all and welcome to this Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics podcast. I'm your host Daniel Kubal and today I have a very special guest with me today, S. Evan Townsend. Evan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you. How are you? Oh, excellent, excellent. Thank you so much for coming and joining us today. It's been nice on my relaxing Sunday to talk to you. Um, I had uh, Tilde Holt earlier today, uh, Northern Rad, so that was really cool. It's been a great weekend actually for me at JD. Uh, uh, sorry, GD uh, Pullman yesterday, um, and then I had a friend, uh, Sean Bell, on on Braddock, so it's been a great uh, writing and podcast weekend for me, so. That's great. Yeah, nice way to start the November, sort of, for me, so. Um, going right into that first question, what has your writing journey been like up until this point? Oh, wow. Um, I told people I started writing when I was 12, <laughs> and I'm now 61, so yeah. you do the math. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I assume the stuff I wrote when I was 12, you know, the Star Trek fanfic, the, oh. uh, the television scripts, um, then weren't very good. I assume when, when I wrote, but I've been writing pretty much since then. And I, you know, self-taught in writing. I never took many classes on. I just, I, I re, I'd read and try to kind of replicate what I read, not the story, obviously, or the plot, but the writing. And... I basically taught myself how to write. I taught myself how to type. And because I want to be a writer, I'd have to know how to type. And uh, I kept writing. And in, in, in the mid-80s, I started writing this science fiction novel about mining asteroids. And I, I kept writing it, and I kept writing it, and I kept writing it. I kept revising it. I kept making it better. And then I'll do the update, and I'd have to change something in it. <laughs> And it finally got published about 2011 by uh, World Castle Publishing, Rob Killer, and it's out there for anybody to buy. Um, you know, that was my first book. It was, it was actually my third book published. Um, what, what happened was a friend of mine got published by World Castle Publishing, and she said, why don't you send your book in? I'm like, Okay, another rejection slip of hell. Oh, you know, New York publishing thing got lots of rejection slips. I did the whole agent thing, got lots of rejection slips. So I sent in, actually, I didn't send in Rob Killer, I sent in a book called Agent of Artifice, and I sent that in, and they loved it. And they said, I said, Well, I have this uh, prequel to that called Hammer of Thor. They said, Send it in, and they loved it. I said, well, I got the science fiction novels, and, and Hammer of Thor and, and Agent of Artifice are actually uh, fantasies. I, I have the science fiction novel on my hard drive. It's been on my hard drive for 20 years. <laughs> Make sure it's up to date and send it in. And they, they loved it. Oh, cool. uh, that, that was my writing journey. I just just kept writing until finally somebody decided my writing was good enough to publish. I think that's a, a really good piece of advice there, right? Just keep writing. Just keep, Just keep writing. writing. <laughs> well, that's excellent. That's really cool. I'm actually really uh, happy to hear that that first novel for you uh, was fantasy because I was checking that one out earlier and it sounded really cool. I didn't have a chance to uh, to click on the full description. So right. I'm definitely going to have to add that to the old Goodreads. I've been doing that a lot this weekend. Like I said, right. a lot of people I've been <laughs> hanging out with in this little spot. So yeah. that's really cool. Uh, so, and that's it. That's actually really interesting, you know, that you had, you know, one of those books that you've had for 20 years. I was just talking to uh, Kelly McCullough about that. And um, we were talking about those kind of those backlogs. And, you know, I was discussing, you know, with a couple people about, you know, just like, just keep those things there. And you just never know, you know, if you can you know. use it, yeah, or revamp it. And I just encourage people, you know, to just to hold on or to try and do something with it, but don't, don't put it in the trash file basically, or delete it, you know, just, you know, cause there, you can, uh, you know, in 1989, there was no internet. So I had to put that in the book, you know, <laughs> there, there was all sorts of technology I had to update over time. Uh -huh. But, and even now it's, it's been out for 10 years and it's pretty much obsolete because the technology's advanced. They were, I was having humans mine asteroids, but it's probably going to be robots that yeah. are going to mine asteroids. So. That's a great point, actually. Yeah, but it's it's good to have humans in your story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I never considered that, actually. That actually would be a very interesting, like, concept. Uh, yeah, like having, because, you know, like Martha Wells uh, with the, 
murder bot series that would be kind of interesting to see like robots or androids like you know yeah you know yeah yeah that'd be interesting interesting yeah uh so for this next one um so i did notice that you were in the military for a time um yeah. find that that helps your writing fantasy or science fiction at all it helps on the science fiction side um actually i wrote i started rock killer when i was in in the military oh, cool um and so it reads a little bit like tom clancy in space <laughs> cool that's awesome um but yeah i learned a lot about I was in military intelligence and um, they actually, I went to school for a year to learn Korean. Oh, that's cool. I, I actually used yeah. to take Korean. That's really cool. Yeah. And um, now I hardly can speak it at all. I haven't yeah, you, yeah, you don't use it, you lose it. Use it or lose it. That's yeah. exactly right. And so like Amara Thor has some scenes in Korea, has some scenes cool. in Japan, um, has little, you know, language lessons in it about Korean and Japanese and Chinese because they all use the same symbols. You know, the Koreans yeah, have yeah. their language. I mean, their uh, alphabet, Hangul, but they have so many homonyms, words that sound alike, that they'll throw in a Korean or a Chinese character to, to clarify it. If you look at like a North, South Korean newspaper, the North Koreans only use the Hangul, but uh, the South Koreans definitely use the Chinese characters, they call them Han, uh, what they call Han Cha. And uh, when I was studying Korean, I had to learn Han, some Han Cha. Okay. There's uh, thousands and thousands of them. I learned maybe 300, oh, wow. now, or maybe four. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, um, probably more, maybe 10. Yeah. Um, and so, in fact, if you look at the cover of Hammer of Thor, there's uh, Chinese characters there for Japan. And I had somebody who reads Chinese to say, why does that say Japan? And when the hammer of Thor is, is Norwegian, you know, is Nordic. And I said, because some of the story takes place in Japan. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> okay. But, um, so what were we talking about? Oh, military. So yeah, so that's part has helped me being in the military. I learned yeah. about, and I also learned about military intelligence and how that works. And that's helped me. And the military instills a sense of discipline. And that's really helped me in my writing because before I was in the military, I would start a story, get a third of the way through it and then start another story. Yeah. Third of the way through it. Now I know I have to finish the dang story. <laughs> I go on to the next one. And that's how I've written so many books. And what I do if I come up with, an, I'm in the middle of a story and I come up with an idea for another novel is I'll, maybe write the first chapter or two mm. some notes set it aside then go back and finish what i was working on because if you do that if you go if you don't do that you're going to end up with fifty thousand unfinished novels and never a novel yeah, yeah and so i learned the discipline to finish a novel um when i was in the military well you heard it here first guys you got to join the military in order to join the military <laughs> My friend was talking about that doing, um, um, you know, like novel boot camps where they would go and um, they, him and his friends, finally they got together. And they would literally like they would get up, you know, like like four thirty, and then they would go and exercise a little. They're all like um, post military guys and everything, um, so they they would do that, and then they felt like the blood was flowing, and then they'd go at like six. They'd write like six to seven. They'd have another activity. And I'm like, I don't really like waking up at four thirty, but it seemed like it was really fun. Uh, do for a week um, a lot more fun than being in the military i imagine so probably yeah. you actually get to be done for a week after a yeah. week when you get a whole like i think they write like at least like half a novel or something like that wow. like in that time uh it was an interesting yeah. concept but yeah my, my, my former writers group that kind of fell apart to the people not liking each other and <laughs> we, we did a writer's retreat and we pre, we, we didn't get up at 4 30 we get up yeah and we go exercise um, and then we'd write pretty much all day long. Oh, that's we'd cool. All sit in a room and write on our laptops. Yeah. And um, I, I wrote like 8,000 words that weekend. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. And to try that out, maybe maybe my buddies and I will do that. We'll go to a retreat here. Uh, I know uh, Dirk Ashton did that a little while back with Michael J. Sullivan, ML Spencer, and like a bunch of other people. And definitely yeah. seemed to help them out for a few days. Um, yeah, that's really, really cool. 
Um, yeah, I just asked that because there were quite a few people that like on Lindsay Broker and uh, Joel Lalo's podcast, um, they had actually talked to quite a few science fiction writers in particular. Um, and it was interesting that, you know, so many, um, especially with the military sci-fi, you know, like there were a lot of different, you know, um, you know, servicemen and women who had really enjoyed them. And I know that they, in fact, um, many of them hadn't been in the military, but they had, you know, spoken to different people in the military. Um, or like military police was one of them I know, which was really big, um, you know, in terms of the writing process, um, you know, because they had that group that was interested. So they really wanted to make it authentic for those people. Um, I always thought it'd be really interesting to do that. Um, like, uh, you know, Malazan Book of the Fallen um, is what my buddy and I are reading for book club. And I always thought it'd be really cool to do that for uh, like a, a fantasy series, um, but really get, you know, some of those details down pat. Um, you know, and really kind of go from there because the the crew, you know, the they always seem really interesting to me, the Malazans and the Marines and everything. Um, and you find out some of their tactics and things, but I'm I'm a I'm a history teacher. So to me, those kind of things are really interesting. So I always thought it'd be cool. I, I know a lot of people do it in science fiction, but I haven't heard a lot of people do it in fantasy. So I was just kind of kind of curious. Well, actually, in, in Hammer of Thor, which takes place partly during World War II. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, uh, they're in occupied France, and they have to avoid the Germans. And so I use my tactical training oh, cool. to avoid the Germans. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really neat. Definitely have to check that out now. <laughs> World War II. <laughs> no, no spoilers, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely one of my time periods that uh, I really enjoy. That seems to be the one that a lot of our students uh, really enjoy as well. So, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, for this next question, uh, what do you find most challenging about writing fantasy and science fiction? Oh. For for fantasy, since I'm writing in the past, I, I, a time period like the World War II, the research is just daunting. Uh, you're you're, and I'm lazy. <laughs> um, so I, I open up a word file and I'll, if I come up with a fact or something, I'll write down where I found it on the internet, what book I found it in. Cause I want, I don't want to have to look for it again. Oh yeah. yeah. In, a, in a different word file than what I'm working on with my book in. And you know, people say I should use Scrivener and I'm like, I don't want to learn it. Um, and I, I think for Hammer of Thor, I had like three pages of notes. Okay. Of, reference lines yeah yeah um because i had to google and research and um i read like i read at least two books for that novel oh okay yeah and um um let's see yeah no three i read three books for that novel and and for agent of artifice i read um two books and parts of another one so you know it's uh but it, it's it's a, a lot of you know the internet is the internet is made for writers I, I yeah. tell you <laughs> because I can find almost almost anything I need to know on the internet sometimes like I had this problem with Agent of Artifice um, I got two different sites saying two different things yeah. what happened in Cuba during the revolution and I'm going which one is the truth and so I tried to Google and figure out. You know which one who agrees the most with with whom, and I could never find another source that that disputed either of them. So I said, "Well, I'll just go with the one I like." <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, <laughs> you know, because it's it's supposed to be another world. It's supposed to be another another universe. So yeah. you know, I'll just go with the one I like. And that book had a lot of research in it. And one thing I found on researching old things, if you can find a documentary on. Mm -hmm. Vision or, or um, you know Netflix or anywhere about that time period in the place you're writing, um, it's great because you can see what it looks like. Yeah. They can't give you a smell, and you can see how the people dressed, and and it, it, it was amazing. I watched a, a documentary on on Korea before the war, before the Korean War, and. Um, I got so much information out. I'm sitting there taking notes while I'm watching the documentary. Yeah, yeah. And um, this is before cell phones had cameras. I was just thinking, man, I wish I could have taken a picture yeah. of, of the screen while I was doing that. Yeah, yeah. I take notes and remember what it looked like. But 
Yeah, it's re research is, is probably my most daunting part. I try to write hard science fiction, but I'm not smart enough to write really hard science fiction. I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, I love to read hard science fiction, but I just I'm just not smart enough to write it. But um, I love um, like I'm going, oh, how do I calculate the orbit of a, a, a spaceship around a planet? And so I, I Google what's the formula for orbit, you know, and <laughs> here's a funny story. I did that. I got, oh, that's right. That's the, that's the formula. And then I need my units, you know, what's the altitude of the ship and what's the mass of the planet. And I'm, you know, all that stuff's kind of made up in my head, but it has to be reasonable. Mm -hmm. You have a 10, you know, 10 times the mass of earth and be livable. And I came up with a billion seconds for the orbit seconds that's that's forever i go what is wrong well i found out i i, I screwed and this this is what science teachers will tell you don't screw up your units then <laughs> one unit was in kilometers per second a the other one was in meters per second no. <laughs> Another time I'm done. A thousand times off yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so but i find that i find that very useful um but uh Research is probably the most daunting problem I have. The other problem I, I kind of have, and I'll admit this, is my character arcs are kind of weak sometimes. Because I'm more, I'm more of a let's tell a fun story and, and have yeah, yeah, yeah. and have your character, you know, ha have a crisis and live his life. But uh, that's that's probably it. I think that's a really good point. The crazy thing is, is I so I've been like um. Been doing a lot of research. I guess I have been watching documentaries, but I haven't really been taking notes. So I'm definitely going to go back and do that. Um, I just thought, uh, um, I was talking to Sean Bell about this on Friday when him and I were discussing uh, before we started filming. And I said, I just like, you know, you, know, you always have to have that, that fun project. And yeah. I always wonder, you know, being a history teacher, like what really happened to the Lost Legion? And I go and do all this research. And recently, the last two, two years ago, a study came out and they think they actually went back uh, like to Rome or Spain. Uh, rather and basically like they were just forgotten about and I was like that's the most boring ending to one of the greatest historical mysteries of all time I said I'm gonna write my it was own. a bureaucratic mess. exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm like so it's it, I'm like seriously and I'm like you're talking about I was like no 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 I said so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna add zombies to it and we're gonna go <laughs> there. so I've been uh, that's like my side project I've been you know really going in and it was funny talking to Till uh, uh, Holt this morning because um, she said she really, for Northern Wrath, took it from a historical fiction standpoint and then added the fantastical elements later. So I'm just really interested in your guys' research process. So I'm really glad you said those things because those are a couple of things that I have not considered before. And uh, I feel like that's going to be really helpful for myself and for some other people. So Yeah, I read a short science fiction, science fiction story where they found a planet that some aliens have taken that, that legion and stuck them on that planet oh, they were really? like Romans oh, after cool. thousands of years. And um, I have to write that down. Yeah. <laughs> that really it's cool. already been done. So don't steal it. Oh, but, no, that just sounds really cool. See, like, I, like, I, I don't remember the name of the story or anything. Oh, I'll find it. I'll find it. I know so okay. many people on the Internet now. I will find it. That is really OK. Cool. And yeah, until they were talking about that, there, you know, I think that's why her book Northern Wrath has been um, so popular is that you know, it really takes, um, it is a historical fiction book, but it has the fantasy elements. And right. you know, I, we were just talking about that too with Sean on Friday and GD Penman yesterday. I just think that, you know, in terms of fantasy, that's why I think I like, I like taking breaks and going and, you know, reading science fiction because, you know, you got people, so many people where even if it's like the same, I don't know how to explain it. I feel like sci-fi is like a lot of people have the same elements and tropes, but right. There's just so many different stories. I've never exactly. like I don't feel I don't feel like I'm reading the same story over and over. And like no offense, saying, but you know anybody, but but trap publishing for fantasy has felt like that, and that's why I like indie fantasy more now. And what I feel like I can literally read any science fiction book. Um, like uh, Mark Cooper was one of them with Heavy Duty. I read that book and had so much, um, you know, uh, like new perspective, characters, things like that. And I, I don't really know any. You know, sci science fiction books I've read 
you know, at least within the last 10 years that have felt regurgitated or, you know, use the same plots or characters, even with the tropes in there. I just think that it's a lot different than than fantasy nowadays. If you got science fiction, you're going to have, you know, some sort of faster and white hybrid, right? Yeah, yeah. Everybody's going to have to have that. Um, Yeah. I don't have that in some of my novels because, well, other reasons. But, uh, you know, and you got to have the space battle. You got, yeah, you got all these tropes that everybody's got to have. But the story is going to be different. Yeah. Maybe it's because the tropes are, I think maybe maybe the difference, I was just talking to this with a couple of people last couple of weeks, like we were discussing, maybe the tropes are things rather than, you know, like hyperspace, you know, um, oh, uh, you know, those different drives and things um, versus characters, you know, versus like elves. And I think, it, you know, like it's like lightsabers, you know, like you could probably do that nowadays and call it something different. And right. I don't think people will see that as much of a trope as doing elves again or you know having them you know be like i i have like elves but they're um half plant and half elf um and they actually yeah and they actually use like chloroplasts within their skin and that's why they have such a close um um you know like presence with nature is because they are half nature um so i change things like that because to me it's a lot more interesting but yeah, yeah, I think you're right there. There's different tropes, but I, I think you guys use them differently than they, you know, you do in fantasy. Yeah. And I, I don't, I think it's because and those things are just interesting anyway. You know, like I was researching, I like how you had, you know, one of your books, you know, involving Mars, because to me, that's just like, Mars is so cool and you can do anything with, you know, it's just, it's, it's always fascinating to see what, what people are doing with it. Um. Yeah, so for this next one, so this kind of leads us right into this uh, next question. Uh, what do you find most enjoyable about fantasy and the science fiction genre? Like, why those? Why those? You know, my writing journey, writing Star, Star Trek fan fiction. I'm old enough, I watched Star Trek in first, the old series in first run oh, when I was cool. like eight years old, nine yeah. years old. Um, and, and when I could get the TV away from my big brother and big sister. <laughs> um, and it's just always fascinated me. Probably the possibilities of it. Stuck on Earth. You're not stuck with life as we know it. You know, it's not boring life as we know it. It's, um, it has the possibilities. There's the, the so many things you can do. So I started watching Star Trek when I was seven, eight, nine. Um, and, and when I was a teenager, they showed Star Trek reruns after school, uh, after when I got home from high school. I watched that every dang day. Um, it, was, you know, it was on Monday through Friday. And the funny thing was I lived in Southeast Idaho, which is kind of a conservative area. Yeah. They never show what our little girls made of. Mm. I moved from California. He said, "Oh, whatever, little girls made of was a great episode." I said, "I've never seen it." Mm. Watched Star Trek reruns. And I thought I'd seen them all, but they never showed that one. I have no idea why. Except maybe yeah. that outfit was a little skimpy. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, and then I started. I, I picked up a Larry Niven book. Oh yeah. I read that. And I went, "Oh my lanta!" That was just that. That just blew me away. And so I start, you know, I, I, I'm a little OCD, I think, because I just started reading everything written, written by Niven I could find. Oh, I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I read everything I could find by Niven. And, you know, he's got Tales of Known Space, you know, collection of short stories. And, you know, one of which is set in the 70s. And um, he's got 1970s. And he's a really imaginative writer. I gave my dad totally on science fiction. He's a down to earth wife is how you make a kind of guy. I, so I gave him a short story written by Larry Niven and said, read this. And he goes, I've never known there was that much imagination in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, there you go. You know, and then, you know, Star Trek next generation came out and I was already writing by the time. This, you know, well, I've, been, I've been writing since I was 12. So, um, and it was just, what was the question? Oh, <laughs> oh, I was gonna say, keep going, keep going. Cause I, yeah. I, I love, that was one of the first shows, TV shows that in Sequest 
that yeah. I actually watched because my grandma got cable at that time. And I, I think it was uh-huh. like, yes. Yeah, and I was yeah. just like, <laughs> and, and yes, it, it took two seasons for the next generation to find its way. Yeah. The third season was amazing mm-hmm. um, with, with all with the episodes and that. And I was writing, I was submitting to magazines, my short stories and getting rejected. And I didn't think I could write a novel until somebody said, write a novel. And so I wrote Rock Killer. Um, but so that's where, that's where, um, and I used to say, I hate fantasy. Yeah. I'm like, oh, fantasy, I hate fantasy. It's, it's, it's not consistent. It's not scientific. People, you know, they do whatever the heck they want. Yeah. And then one day I sat down and I wrote a short story called Lesser Magic. And I've never, it's never been published, excuse me. And it's about a wizard, a person with magic powers, who uses math, science, to get an advantage with his enemies who won't use math and science. Mm. And I came up with some rule, magic rules, and I came up with a, a setting, you know, how things work in the universe. And one day I remember I was exercising and, and trying, I was walking around the, the block. My block is a, is a mile around exa- almost exactly. I was walking around the block to get some exercise. And I go, what would happen if one of those guys was in World War II? Mm. be interesting and that's where Hammer of Thor came from <laughs> and Hammer of Thor started out as a World War II story and then it got bigger on both ends so I decided to tell his backstory and I decided to tell what happened after World War II to him and that's where Korea came in and, and uh, the Korean War and then for some reason I had this thought what if all these guys worked for the CIA and that's where Agent of Artifice came from. And I thought, well, what, what, what if one of these guys ran into a shape-shifting assassin? <laughs> that's where uh, Gaza Strife came from. And, and which I'm actually doing this out of order um, because Gaza Strife is the last book. Well, no, it's not the last book. It, well, anyway, it's complicated. <laughs> and I thought, what if they ran into vampires? But they weren't really, you know, they're more accurate vampires. They use knives to slit throats instead of, you know, their teeth growing. And, but they drink blood. They're necromancers. And they can use the blood to increase their power, of, of their magic power that all the other people have. And that became Book of Death. And Book of Death is a book about how to use necromancy to increase your power. And then Gods of Strife, which was the shape-shifting assassin. And um, then, then one day I, was, I thought, I'm going to try and write a Western. So I started writing this Western all about three paragraphs into it. It turns into a fantasy. <laughs> That's kind of Western, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I start, and I say, okay, if I'm going to write a fantasy, I'm going to do, do it in my world with uh, people that use magic and that same, all that. So it became a Western prequels of all oh, the other that's cool. novels, <laughs> cool. five novels. Yeah. Set in 1881, Arizona Territory and San Francisco. And um, and there you do like how fast how fast would it take to get from Tucson, Arizona to San Francisco by train? <laughs> I found a timetable on the internet. Oh, that's helpful. That said exactly <laughs> how long it took. I found a map of Tucson, Arizona, not Tucson, Tombstone, Arizona. So that when my character is running down the street and makes a right to get to the telegraph office, that's where the telegraph office is. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was a, a fire map. The fire department did it so they knew what was in the town. Um, it, you know, the stuff on the internet just kills me. I remember when I got here in the 1990s or early 1990s. Um, and, you know, I was working full-time at the time. I would spend weekends. It was like, well, when I was a little kid, I read the encyclopedia for fun. My mother, used to, I used to amaze my mother. I'd sit down with the encyclopedia and start reading it. So, so the internet's like one big encyclopedia. Yeah. Porn. And uh, But I would go through the internet. I would find stuff, and this would link to something else. It would to something else. It's, you know, I was uh, almost addicted to the internet. <laughs> I know that feeling. So I, 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 I have this sponge brain that likes to be fed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
So, yeah, and uh, so fasting was just, it was bizarre for me because I used to say I hated fasting. But what I did do when I wrote fasting is I made sure the magic rules were consistent. Everywhere. You know, I had rules. I had limitations on the power of my magic users. They couldn't use magic all the time. And uh, because they got tired, they got sleepy. Yeah, they yeah. Magic, they went to sleep. And they had to have a, a, a talisman to, to enhance their magic. And they lost that. They were in big yeah. um, And the more powerful talisman they had, the better the magic user they were. So I, when I wrote fantasy, I made sure it made internal sense. It was internally consistent. So you're like a, more of a hard magic system then? Yeah. Because yeah. right. Tol- Tolkien's kind of drives me crazy. Like, like <laughs> Gandalf can pop in, you know, to certain areas, but he can't just go pop over even closer to help them with the ring. Um, right. Yeah, like uh, you know, my we were talking about that a while back because Brandon Sanderson talks about that in his lectures. You know, where Tolkien's, uh, you know, like there's hard magic when you're talking about the ring. You know, like the One Ring, like you know its limitations. But then, yeah, Gandalf's like a wild card. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's 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 very interesting. That's like uh, Brandon Sanderson talks about his hard magic system. I've kind of gone back yeah. and forth with that. Yeah. Gandalf couldn't teleport. He had to ride horses everywhere. So. Yeah, yeah. Unless that it's the prequels. Unless it's the Hobbit. <laughs> and then he the Hobbit, yeah, that's I'm true. Sorry. I take that back. Yeah. No, he doesn't teleport. Um, oh, was it? Um, Glindula or whatever her name is. Um, uh, I believe she does. And then, yeah, uh, Elrond or whatever when they go to save him. Uh, maybe it's just a, a misinterpretation of the spell on maybe. my part, but it definitely looked like they teleported. <laughs> I okay. kind of wonder, like, oh, you mean that? Uh, this uh, uh, Tyler, I can't remember her character name. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, one of them does that. Yeah, and I'm like, wait a minute. I know they said she's the most powerful out of them, but yeah, it just it always makes me wonder, you know, exactly what the magic system is um, yeah. for Lord of the Rings. Like, there's that um, the new. Well, it's like uh, there's a second edition of the board game. Like they had like the book and everything. Um, called the One Ring. My friends and I, we always want to grab it. It's so expensive right now. It's like two hundred twenty-five dollars for a used copy. But I just want to see how they, you know, how they took his world and made a, you know, a hard magic system out of it. I think yeah. that to me would be really interesting to see because mm-hmm. the Hobbit was really one of my um, pretty much like fifth or sixth. Because I'm like you, I I started off in science fiction. I started off reading Star Wars, Star Wars, and then I branched off into reading other people in science fiction. I read Indiana Jones, um, you know, kind of more of an urban fantasy, the yeah. young Indiana Jones novels. But other than yeah. that, I mean, it was pretty much um, Brian, uh, you know, Jake's, um, you know, like Red Wall, stuff like that. But right. hadn't read a lot of fantasy, then read The Hobbit, and I was like blown away. And then after that, I was started reading fantasy like crazy. So, yeah, yeah I agree, though. I, it's, it's nice to I hate to admit, I haven't read a lot of fantasy. I've read Robert Heinlein's fantasy book and I've read Paul Anderson's fantasy book, mm. two of them. Um, one I liked, one I didn't. And um, that's pretty much all the fantasy I've read. And I've written five fantasy books or six. Count. to check those people out. I've not read theirs yet. So I'm trying, uh, to, trying to keep a, a little journal now. And- like I was saying, like trying to just get some recommendations there. So I'm yeah. definitely going to check that out. No, I was, if you like science fiction, I would definitely recommend uh, Robert Heinlein. Um, I, I've, I've literally read everything he, he wrote. If he wrote shopping lists, I would read them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and unfortunately, he died in 89, I believe. Um, so, you know, he's done making more stuff. Yeah, yeah releasing here's something we found we want to read that yeah. yeah and um yeah they called him the dean of science fiction he his some of his earlier stuff is a little weak but who whose isn't yeah i've been there <laughs> i'm there right yeah. now yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> my but, friends they yeah. asked they go can we read your first draft i said no because i made 45 different decisions in the first like 10 chapters and none of them stuck so i was like Get, let me let me finish you know draft two and then you guys can go wild with it. But yeah. I really like Ray Bradbury. Ray Bradbury is one of those. Oh, yeah. that, um, I really want to read The Illustrated Man. I'm about to go, once I'm done with this current historical fiction book, I'm reading uh, Gates of Fire that Scott Oden recommended me. So it was the best book he's ever read. Um, it's about the Dalla Thermopylae. Um, and it's from oh. the um, perspective of one of the slave soldiers, one of the helots. 
Um, uh, so after I'm done with that, I'm going to go check out the illustrated man. They had this amazing new, um, I don't know, just like description on the back, the great cover mm-hmm. at the library. I was like, that's going to be my next read right there. I read yeah. quite a few of his and really enjoyed them. I read Dandy, Dandy Lion Wine as, mm. as, as, as a, assigned the book in, in high school and it didn't grab me. And so I, I haven't read a lot of Ray Bradbury and I probably should. I read the one, I'm totally blank on what it's called, but um, the one where um, it's all about Mars and Mars exploration. and Martian Chronicle. Yeah, I think that book, it like blew me away. Like there were so many things where I, it just made me, it really made me think um, of science fiction in a different way. Um, it wasn't exactly one of like, I would say like my favorite science fiction books, but um, you know, in terms of story, but in terms of ideas, it was really up there for me. So I highly recommended it to uh, quite a few of my past students uh, who were really interested in writing science fiction um, and especially reading it. It was, it's definitely very different um, compared to other people's ideas. But yeah, in terms of sparking ideas for me, it was, it was absolutely huge. And that's where I'm thinking of going back to him again for like the illustrated man. One of my friends said that he really loved them, you know, the Marshall Chronicles, but the Illustrated Man, it was like one of his favorite books of all time. Um, so I feel like that's pretty heavy praise from him because he usually doesn't like a lot of people that much. So yeah, I, I think it was Frank Zappa who said so many books so little time. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm right there. Especially yeah. if I'm writing more, I'm like, oh, yeah. pandemic, I'm a teacher. So it's just been like sapping my strength. So I'm just trying to get my own done. And <laughs> by the end, yeah. I just kind of zone out or go to bed. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think one step is in your writing process that you could not live without? Oh, wow. Um, so uh, I almost have to tell you a little bit about my writing process. Oh, perfect. Even I, I'm, a, I'm a pantser, um, mostly. I kind of liken it to a car trip. I want to go from here to Seattle, and I live in the middle of Washington State. And I, oh, I get on I-90 and I head west. But and I know there's places along the way I got to go through and I'll end up in Seattle, but there's off ramps. There's a lot of off ramps. Yeah. Seattle. And maybe halfway there, I'll take an off ramp, swing north, end up in <laughs> or something. And that's sort of how I write. I go, oh, I want to write this book and it's going to go from here to here to here to here. I sit down, I start typing. All of a sudden it takes an off ramp and goes north. <laughs> um, that happened in Hammer of Thor. Um, one character said Valkyrie, and the whole book went a different direction. Hmm. And I don't even know. I don't even. I still don't know why that character said Valkyrie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, shut up, you! I don't want Valkyrie. No, 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 no <laughs> Valkyrie in this novel. Okay, okay. Um, so that's my writing process. And the one thing I can't live without in my writing process is the rewrite and the revision, because one one problem with a lot of pantsers. And especially if they don't rewrite and revise enough, is somebody will walk into a room with green jeans on and they'll walk out with red jeans on, you know, and, and editors notice these things. Yeah, yeah. And readers notice these things. And so I, I'll write my first draft. And that'll take, depending on the book, a month, maybe two, sometimes three. And then I'll, let it sit at least a couple of weeks. And, and the best thing is to have another novel I'm working on, my first drafting, but that doesn't always happen because I don't, don't have an idea. And then I'll go back and I'll read it. And I'll and they always get longer when I do this. <laughs> and in my books and they get shorter, I go, no, they get longer for me. Yeah. Long and I'll go, oh, I said, Joe walked in the room, but I didn't say he's wearing green pants. He has a Uzi over his shoulder. And he's got a scowl on his face. So I need to put that in the book. And so they always get longer. Um, I started keeping track of this. And the last one, the, the book I'm working on right now, on its last, by the t- time of its last revision, had grown by, what was it, 15% about. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I was amazed how long that was. It went from like 60,000 words to... 50% of 60,000 words uh, plus 115,000. Anyway, um, so I couldn't live without that. It was, you know, I assumed if I plot, I was, I was a plotter and I know lots of plotters and they sit down and they write a, 
I know one who writes every scene in the book before they write the book. Hmm. <laughs> uh, and she says, well, it's basically telling instead of showing. I go, okay, that makes sense. But yeah, I got to go back. I got to do that. I do that at least three times. And um, it gets longer and longer. And then the, the last thing I do before I send it out for beta reads, and I find this so helpful, I, I, I wish I had discovered this earlier, is I have my wife read it to me. Mm. And I sit there and listen. And 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 then she started to learn what I'm listening for. And I go, oh, we mentioned car door three times in one paragraph. <laughs> Fix that. Yeah. Oh, he walked in with green pants. He's walking out with red pants. Let's fix that. You know, and or I might just have a sentence that doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, I thought it made sense when I wrote it, but then when I hear, and I've thought about using the word read out loud thing. But it reads like this, and it yeah, goes. it's so boring. Yeah, <laughs> the, only, the only problem with my wife is she edits. She won't say certain words. Mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> damn and hell. Yeah, yeah. Other bad words. She yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, I know you're a sweet woman. <laughs> love you for it, but <laughs> writing has a rhythm, and you need to stay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But she won't. But that's that's good of that. Um. So that's. So basically, the, the revision and rewriting process and editing process, I couldn't live without. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's interesting that you say that, especially with, um, you know, having your wife read out loud. I have heard other people reading it themselves. I have yeah. not heard a lot of people having somebody else read to them. So I think that would be extremely helpful, even if you had a couple different people um, yeah. reading, you know, like if you were, you know, in a time crunch or you know, or you didn't have necessarily like, the, like my wife would just do it. I know and be really good at it and, you know, could kind of go from there um, yeah. and get the tone or rhythm or whatever. But yeah, I think even in a pinch, you could have a few, you know, a few friends or something do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's uh that's really good advice right there. Definitely going to have to try that out for my draft two. get draft two done. Yeah. We'll have her go from there and, <laughs> and read to me. That's really good. I like that. Yeah. Uh, so you've already mentioned like Larry Niven, you know, um, yeah. a couple other Robert people. Heinlein. Yeah, Robert Heinlein. Um, who are some other influential, either fantasy or science fiction, or maybe even some other authors uh, that you would recommend to our audience to read? Um, well, I mentioned Paul, and Paul, and Paul Anderson. It's spelled where it's spelled P-O-U-L, but it's pronounced Paul Anderson. He died early 2000s, um, but he's a great, hard science fiction writer. And he also writes, writes a little fantasy. Oh. And um, it's people like that just, just drive me crazy. I'm reading their book and I go, how? This, how? I wouldn't have thought of that in a million years. Yeah. You know? That's me with Larry Niven on with Ringworld. I'm like going through it now. Yeah. It's like kind of yeah. hate you a little bit, Larry. <laughs> like just, yeah. you know, like so jealous. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you wear my jealousy like a coat. You know. Like, yeah, exactly. And let's see, who else can I recommend? Uh, me? No. Um, Oh, we got you on the list for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm such an OCD reader. I, I find somebody I read him forever. You know, there's this writer. He writes his historic novel, book, not novels, nonfiction. Yeah, yeah. Richard, uh, what is his name? Richard Brookheiser. Oh, I've heard of him. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he wrote a book about Hamilton. Oh, cool. Hamilton, Alexander Hamilton, and um, he wrote, he's, he's written all these books about people who lived in the time of the founding of, of the United States. And well, all these books, at least two. And um, he, he's just a really good writer. And I really enjoy, he makes, you know, the, it's a cliche to say this, but he makes history come alive. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's a good writer. Who else can I recommend? If, if you like, I, this is a friend of mine, actually. And, and she, she is such a good writer. Um, you know, the jealousy coat, um, wearing that. But <laughs> she discovered a niche. She writes about animals that are human, and it, it's called something, um, that niche. But her name is uh, Frances Pauli, P-A-L-U-I, Paul with an I in the end. And um, she's 
she writes really good stuff. And I read, I, I, you know, we read each other's stuff and help each other out. And I read her stuff and it's like, oh my gosh. She wrote this short novella about a bird. And the bird was the queen of the other birds. Oh, that's cool. It was really silly. And and maybe, you know, okay, is this a child? No, it was the adult novel before she started writing about talking animals. And that's brilliant. So, um, yeah, check her out, definitely. Yeah, it sounds very interesting. I, I, I do like to promote women in science fiction because there's not a lot of them. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's like I was, uh, you know, I'm trying to even out um, for the year. I just, uh, a friend of mine, he's like, you know, you, you talk to, he's like, you've interviewed a lot of these people. I said, well, you know, I'm trying to get more women in science fiction, uh, horror and fantasy. I said, it just so happens that um, I said, I just <laughs> have saved them for the second part of the season one. I said, all of a sudden, I was like, I don't know. I don't know why it worked out for, you know, different people's schedule and things. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, but it was kind of, you know, I thought it was interesting because a couple of years ago, I didn't know that many. Um, but now within, you know, really the last year, I've met a lot more, which has been really cool, particularly in science fiction fantasy. I feel like I've always known quite a few. Um, but yeah, in terms of science fiction, it's gone up a lot, um, at least in the, you know, the indie community. So it's been very interesting and cool to see, you know, get that new perspective. So. And she's kind of semi-indie. She, she has a publisher. Oh, cool. Yeah. But she's also self-published for that. That's me. Well, they call that hybrid. Yeah, right? yeah. The, the good life, as we call it. <laughs> yeah, the, the Mars book was self-published. That series was self-published. The Treasures of Space book, uh, Treasure of the Black Hole, that series was self-published. Oh. All my fantasies, the rock killer forces, which is science fiction, those were uh, published by a small press publisher, World Castle Publishing. Oh, cool. Uh, and then for that last one, uh, like I was saying earlier, um, you know, like we talked a little bit. Um, so what uh, news or, you know, updates or anything like that or any, you know, current uh, projects, things like that have you been working on lately? Oh, let me think. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm working on a book about asteroid mining, but I took it from the rock killer people doing the mining to the robots doing the mining. Oh, that's cool. And what happens is in the first part of the book, so I'm not giving away spoilers, is somebody hijacks an asteroid and aims it at Beijing. Oh, and the cool. heroes have to stop the asteroid. And there's this story the other day, and I saw, I, this is probably a Christian thing, she said, mountain mover. I'm going, mountain mover, okay. And I came with this line, moving an asteroid is, is akin to moving a mountain. Mm. And I'm going to put that in the book somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> And um, and then I thought somebody could say, "Are you telling me this is a matter of faith?" I'm like, "No, it's a matter of science." But um, I'm working on that novel. The first draft is done. The, the, all three of my edit revisions are done, and now I'm going through it with my writers group, and um, they're ripping it apart. <laughs> <laughs> the usual the, the, the sharks usual. have gotten it in the water yeah they're, they're they're finding they're finding the mistakes i didn't yeah. find. <laughs> uh, calculating an orbit is tough somebody. yeah yeah and and i had to do so much you know the earth turns this way the asteroids going this way if it hits if it misses beijing where's it gonna hit and, yeah, yeah yeah it was it's it was it was tough science fiction writing it's, it's one of the hardest ones I've written ever um, since Rock Killer. Um, Rock Killer, there weren't any orbits. Everything was just kind of moving in a straight line. Mm -hmm. But um, it, it, it was... So I'm hoping that's going to come out. It's not going to come out this year. <laughs> um, I'm hoping that's going to come out early next year. Okay. Um, as soon as my writers group finishes with it. <laughs> chapters at a time and there's 25 chapters so yeah. 12 and a half um meetings and the meetings are every other week so mm -hmm. it's like a chapter a week um and usually i do something on black friday this year it's 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 early and i do it in conjunction with with another with an online writers group i'm in and um they haven't put anything up on it yet but I might be having a Black Friday sale. And I, oh. I, hate to say, I hate to use the word might, 
you know, be really good to say, yeah, I'm having a Black Friday sale. But unfortunately, at this point, I don't know if I am or not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Depends on what happens to the writing group. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, my, my self-published books are all on Kindle Unlimited. Um, so that there's that. And, you know, they're available for the Kindle. You can get a paperback um, on Amazon or... <laughs> Some of them are on, on, are on uh, Barnes and Noble. Oh. All the three books are on Barnes and Noble. I don't know why they're not on Barnes and Noble. I've tried to figure that out. <laughs> and so, you know, and you know, uh, uh, Smugglers of Mars was going to be a short story. I was sitting around one day. I was I was bored. I thought I'll write a story about this character from Treasures of Space when he was uh, intelligence operative for evil empire and it turned into a three book series oh that's cool yeah i gotta say it definitely it definitely piqued my interest uh, i think that i think uh i had seen someone share i think it was book two for you for that series and i was scrolling through and i was like wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute so i had to go back up and i was like what is this about and then i went on a good read i was like okay so i added well, the, it away and i was like the, follow the, the, three, the three species war yeah yeah yeah, the, yeah. the working title of that was the Roach Incursion, and I thought well, people might think it's about you know, roaches. So I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I changed it to the Three Species War. Yeah, yeah, I really liked it. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm anxious to get that one here. Uh, okay, very very quickly. So yeah, that was a cool one. I think it was just really um, yeah a couple of months ago when I when I saw that on Twitter. So yeah. yeah, I added that so to my Goodreads Mountain Range, as I like to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we really want to thank you for coming on today. Evan, thank you so much. And Evan and I really want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics podcast. Uh, you can find our videos on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and David, my tech guy, my best friend, got the audio on Spotify. Good to go. Uh, so uh, like I was saying earlier to you, Evan, we'll make sure that we get, you know, the everything in the description for you for those. So that way people can find you really easily. You guys, my audience, know the drill. You go to that description. You can find, you know, his books anywhere on the planet or outer space as well, as it so has it. Uh, and then we'll make sure, you know, we get that in the Spotify description as well. You can always reach us at Scholars of Uma. That's U-M-A at gmail.com. That's my direct email. Uh, we'd like to see, you know, any of you guys that have questions, a few people, you know, send in some things for past uh, um, authors we have. So if you have any questions, you know, for Evan or, you know, uh, comments, things like that. Um, authors love when people say, hey, I love your book, things like that. We'll make sure to get those messages to him. <laughs> uh, any questions that you have, you know, for Evan or future guests, make sure you email to those as well. Uh, if you have any videos or pictures that are fantasy or sci-fi related, we'd love to put those up on the website and on our social media as well. Evan, really want to thank you again for coming on. It was a pleasure having you. Love to talk to you in the future, you know, when you have, uh, you know, a next book out, things like that. Hopefully we can help you with the promos and, you know, the sales and, you know, anything like that. So. Great. Perfect. Thanks very much for having me. I appreciate it very, a lot. No, excellent. Excellent. Uh, well, hopefully I'll talk to you soon on Twitter, my friend, and I hope you have a good rest of the day. Okay. Thanks. You too. Perfect. Talk to you later. Yeah. Bye. Bye.